now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. Always a turkey in the group, isn't there? Always a turkey in the group. Children, you're released to go to your Sunday school classes. Hey, I just want to send a special shout out to Facebook because I have a dear friend who just needs to be encouraged today. He's one of our friends. We love him dearly. He's had to go to dialysis, and that's Felipe Perez. Love you, Felipe, and hope you're feeling better. Be well, my friend. And also want to just say hi to all the Facebook people. And uh, so glad you join us every week. Can I tell you, this has been quite a week of ministry here at Joy Community Church. And we've had so many things occur. We had our recharge meeting this week and praying for the tribes, the 12 tribes and the ministry of the 12 tribes on Wednesday night. And we broke out in worship and just really stood our ground. We were, we were really taking ground. We stood firm in the things of the Lord. And then uh, we had uh, Thursday a wonderful celebration for our sister Estelle Brumfield. Wonderful opportunity. Talk about the harvest field. It is plentiful. And that uh, gathering was definitely a picture to me. As I, this place was packed, there was no room to sit. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, this is a picture of what this is meant to be. Every chair was filled. Every color was represented, every ethnic group and culture. And I went, what a celebration of God here today. This is beautiful. And that's what joy is meant to be, and it will be in, in its future. And, um, and then on, where's Brian? Brian uh, went to pick up all the stuff from Food Link, and uh, him and I went together. And I'm going to be talking about going out in twos. Well, it took the two of us to figure it all out. And um, no doors were open. Nothing was open. I was winning runway. He was calling this person. And we finally got into the building. And they were so gracious and loaded all the food with us. And we brought it back. And, uh, and then Friday, we had the Hope Shop. And that team is really, Janelle's done an outstanding job. They're, they're a well-oiled machine over there. And uh, so we're so grateful for that. And at the end of serving all those people, that team got together and bagged up all the food for t uh, yesterday. They, were al they already had put a whole day's work in. And they just stayed, every single one of them, served the Lord. They were tired, too, um, because, you know, the youngest one is Joyce. And so you know how old they are. So uh, it was quite amazing. And, uh, but not one complaint, not one complaint. It was a spirit of unity, and the peace of God was present. And we knew we were about doing the Lord's business, and somebody was going to be blessed the next day. And then we saw Brenna roll in with all the turkeys. She didn't just roll in. They were rolling all over her. I mean, it was hilarious. The turkeys were on the loose in her van. Uh, <laughs> so we had to look for them and find them, and... And uh, so what a blessing. And she's just a quiet servant, by the way. And uh, such a wonderful, quiet servant. Yeah, she's real. Do you hear Gregory? Quite quiet, yes. But sometimes we just let things, you know, we have our announcements and, no, 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 this is life. It's not about praising people. It's about the people who serve as they praise the Lord through their service, right? That's what we're doing. That's a part of worship. And that's so beautiful when we do that together. And I just, I was like, wow, what an, a whole week of activity we've had. From, and then Chris starting up this whole uh, tots and toys and dentists working with us and this other organization. We're going to have over 50 people with anywhere from two to three kids getting three gifts each. That's phenomenal. I don't even know how we're doing this stuff. It's just like God, you know? God sees a willing heart and a willing people. He'll give us bigger jobs than we can do, right? So there's room for everybody at the end this year, okay? I just don't know what stable we're going to be in. I'm so glad uh, to be here today, and 
to share what's on my heart. It's been brewing, and I hope it can come together uh, for you in a, in a way that you can get it with me. But I want to talk about standing together, standing together. And I want to take us to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. And I want to talk about standing together. Again, we talked last week about standing out. Remember that? And today we're talking about standing together. And next week, Brian's going to be talking about standing firm. Then we're going to head into a whole new Christmas uh, series called The Sounds of Christmas. And I'm really excited about that. And the preaching team is outstanding as well for that. So here we go. Luke, it is Luke 10, by the way, just so you know. Starting in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Oh, that's interesting. Also. Meaning, there were some already chosen beforehand, and there'd be also more chosen afterward. That's what that means, actually. It's a, it's a part of the vision. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. He hadn't gone already. He was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great. I love that translation from the New King James. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the, God, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. He, he wanted to make sure we weren't surprised. He wanted to make sure we weren't taken off guard. He wanted to make sure we were spiritually prepared to go into the environments that we naturally would never send ourselves. Have you ever been in one of those environments where you never wanted to go, but you were sent and you went, uh-oh, why am I here and what is going on here? Oh, yes, I've been there. Carry neither money bag, knapsack. Well, in this neighborhood, you shouldn't anyway, so don't worry about it, right? Nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking, such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Interesting. Stay put. Stay steady. Even if you feel uncomfortable, even if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, stay put. And you have to understand, this is something new because now he's talking to 70 Jews who are going into a Gentile cities. They're not going into Jewish cities. They're going into Gentile cities. And so he's asking them to be cross-culture in their outreach. You have to understand that. And so that's what they're doing. Whatever city you enter, they will receive you. Eat such things that are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you what it will be more be, uh, excuse me, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And then he lists all the various cities. Stand together. The giant sequoias of California are very uh, shallow-rooted systems. And Atulgar po pointed out that their roots extend just barely below the surface. It sounds impossible because we all know trees need deep roots to withstand drought and wind, but sequoias are quite unique. And they only grow in groves where the roots can actually intertwine and their limbs interconnect with each other. And when strong winds blow, they hold up together. 
That's Joy Community Church. And that's the kingdom of God. And that's what we're called. That's why we need to intertwine and interconnect with one another. And Christ knew the 70 disciples had to be sent out two by two because they were going into new cultures, new experiences, and new practices of living that they had not yet experienced. And that the two who were sent out in pairs uh, would be greater in courage, they would be bolder, they would actually pray because the other would hold the other accountable to pray. They would activate faith, they would stimulate one another's gifts, they would be encouraged in times of resistance and rejection, and they would hold out each other accountable to the mission and the mission, the message and the mission that they were actually sent to share. And these disciples would need to stand together if they were going to impact the various cities with the kingdom of God for them to declare the kingdom of God is near. We need to stand together for the sake of the mission and the message. Sometimes we get so wrapped up being doers and servers, we forget we have a message. You are the message, the servant of the Lord, the giver of what you give, the one who gives other time, talent, and treasure. They're the message. And then there's the message that we have a responsibility to share. And Jesus is sharing and teaching in these 12 verses, his disciples, the necessity of standing together for the sake of that message. I've seen that all throughout this week. Every activity, it wasn't one person leading it. It was many people leading it together. Sometimes those people didn't even know which, what, which hand was the next hand, you know what I mean? Or who was doing what. That's okay. That's going to happen. We're going to get the job done. But we stand together, and it's not just one person leading the cause. It's many getting the cause accomplished for the sake of the message. That was beautiful. I watched that at the funeral. I was like, this is truly amazing. We didn't even have the regular people in the back, and not a glinch happened. The service went off. It just went off. Somebody jumped in and said, I'll play the piano. We didn't have a regular worship team. Liz jumped up and said, yep, I'll serve. Then we had this one said, yep, I'll be willing to do that. And I'm like, that's what makes the dream happen is when the message is clear when people are serving together. It's beautiful. And so Jesus in verses 1 and 3 motivates his disciples with this inspiring vision and any time that God is commissioning with a mission and a message, he will inspire you with a new vision. It's just who he is. He'll just give you something fresh uh, to do so that you don't get so complacent because we've always done it this way. I don't think Jesus likes to hear those words. We always have done it this way. And that's what I like what happened this year with the food ministry, the outreach, because normally we send out the big barrels and we normally go and do this. And we don't normally, none of that happened this year. It was totally different. And it was rocking our world. We still didn't know where the turkeys were coming from and the price we were going to pay. The food was supposed to happen and it didn't. We had to reorder it and we had to find a way to pick it up and we had to pick it up and they gave us, they gave us too much food. Isn't that nice? And they didn't even know they gave us too much food. I'm like, this is awesome. They gave, they gave us too much food. This is cool. And then as soon as I picked the food up and I, they gave us the bill, we come home, and Annie and I meet Parenting Press, which is a church that supported Joy all along. They give us a check, and it paid exactly the amount that was on that bill that day. Taken care of. I went, to God be the glory. I mean, and God doesn't do anything the same way. We're sitting there, and the fellow who's with us has been given a timeline for his life. And what do you do with somebody who's giving you the shirt off their back, and they've been given a timeline for their life. 
Annie and I, we lay hands on him, anoint him with oil, and begin to pray. There's the message. You see, don't head into your holiday season thinking you got it all figured out. You really don't. You really don't. And if you do, you need to shake it up a bit. And if not, I'm praying that he will. Actually, we, I have been praying that he will. Shake it up a bit, Lord. Because we need to meet you in a whole new way. We need an encounter with the mission and the message in a whole new way. And so Jesus is inviting us to participate in something that he cares deeply about. I like what Joel Arthur Baker said. He said, vision without action is merely a dream. I've had a lot of nightmares too, and dreams. But he says, vision without action is merely a dream. Vision with action can change the world. Joy Community Church is changing the world. If you could have watched those people pick up their Thanksgiving baskets yesterday, we are world changers. There was something I had not experienced in other previous years that I experienced this year with the people. There was a humility and a gratefulness, not we deserve it and we should have this. None of that. I didn't sense that at all. It was beautiful. Jesus inspires them to cooperate with the Lord. Well, not just the Lord, the Lord of the harvest. We're not just serving the Lord. We're serving the harvest so that we can reap a harvest. If you think we're just doing outreaches so that people can have filled tummies at Thanksgiving, I want souls for the kingdom of God. I want people who are in bondage and captivity and living in cruelty to be set free, saved, and these chairs filled for Jesus Christ. If you don't think I want a church filled for Jesus, I want a church filled for Jesus. We're not just doing this because we're happy, happy, happy people. We're doing this because we're on a mission and we've got a message. And people have to hear it. I love Billy Graham. And I often listen to his quotes and I love when he preaches. Billy Graham seriously stated this. Listen to this. The evangelistic harvest is always urgent. The destiny of people and of the nations is always being decided. Every generation is strategic. We are not responsible for the past generation, and we cannot bear the full responsibility for the next generation. But we have to do it through our generation. God will hold us responsible as to how we will fulfill our responsibilities to evangelize our generation. We don't just have activities at Joy Community Church because we have to fill up a calendar. We seek the Lord. The elders are always seeking the Lord. The staff and the intercessors and the prayer teams Worse, and the small groups are seeking the Lord to say, God, what do you want us to do in this crucial hour of time? And he's doing it. He's showing us how to do it bit by bit. We see in part and we know in part. And that's okay with me. I wish I could see a little bit more at times. This inspiring vision that Jesus gave them of the Lord of the harvest, provided the necessary, and then provided the necessary equipping, and then the authority to accomplish a strategic mission. And they were being called to fulfill their responsibility in that generation. This inspiring vision required praying for more workers to be sent into the harvest. I think every mission requires laborers. Sometimes it's the same old, same old people coming out to the same old, same old things. And God's saying, uh, excuse me, there's more people to serve here. What's going on? 
And so some can't, some just, you know, because we offer so many things, everybody gets to choose something they're passionate about. That's the joy of it. And that happens on a regular basis. And so even though they were being sent out two by two, they were also like lambs being sent to wolves. Not everything we're sent to do is comfortable. Not every person group that we're sent, people group that we're sent to is comfortable. Not every environment is safe either. And not every activity is the very thing you love to do. It's just what you're called to do. And all of you have been in situations like that, as I have. I believe that Joy Community Church takes Jesus Christ's vision for the harvest seriously and we have become a target of the enemy. We have given Satan enough trouble to arouse his opposition. And we've been in that opposition over the last several years. That is why we must embrace our destiny. And that is why we must embrace a strategic plan to remain responsible no matter what the price, no matter what the cost, no matter what... It, what it requires, we're moving forward as a church. Amen? Amen? Because standing together, we've got to do it for the sake of the mission and the mess message. I see in verses uh, 4 to 9 a lot of guidelines that Jesus provides. He, he provides clear and direct instructions. The 70 disciples are to remember that their mission and their message are urgent. And I think we have to realize that. I think because we can go onto our phone and get the message every day and read it, there's not this urgency. But when you're serving in a funeral and people are coming and hearing the message for the first time, there's an urgency. There was an urgency this week. When I was preaching, it was, I didn't preach like I normally preached. There was an anointing that was destroying the yoke of bondage and the captivity of those in darkness. And light was shining in the midst of darkness and you could sense it. I didn't know what was going on, but I could sense the Lord enabling me to preach and think in a way I've not thought and preached in a while. I could sense it. If you looked at the sermon I wrote to the sermon I preached, you'd go, what happened to you? Were you confused? And I'd have to say, no, I was being led by the Holy Spirit, hopefully. Hopefully. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. We need to realize that each day we wake up, the Holy Spirit is urgently prompting us that there's a message to be shared. There is a mission that you're on. You're not just getting up to go to work. You're getting up because somebody needs what you have when you go to work. You don't just go to extracurricular activity with your kids because you're signing your kids up so they can have uh, seven days of fun. No, your family is a light and salt in a dark place and people need your message. Amen? I love that about our families that do that here. Strong for Jesus. In their message. He provides clear and direct instructions. There was this pilot who was having difficulty landing his small plane since fog hid the runway. So the airport decided to land him by radar. And as he received instructions, he had remembered there was this tall pole in his flight path. And overcome with panic, he radioed into the control tower. And a blunt reply came back and said, obey your instructions and we'll take care of the obstructions. Obey your instructions and we'll take care of your obstructions. And when Jesus provided the clear, direct instructions, he was removing any obstruction that would hinder their mission and their message. We need to have confidence that when we've been called into the unknown and we've been called into an experience that's greater than ourselves, he removes the spiritual obstructions. That's what he loves to do. 
we see this in verse 4. Jesus didn't want them overburdened with extra supplies or to be delayed on the road by elaborate conversations and greetings. And he, and he just gave them clarity. And he, and he said, he said, carry neither money bag, nap uh, sack, nor sandals, nor greet along the road. Now, you have to understand, he's dealing with a culture that when they greeted, there, it was an Eastern greeting. And so there were hugs and kisses and words of exchange and then, you know, all those things that would go with it. And he said, you, you have to get to where I need you to go. Now, I would be wrong for that mission because I'd be stopping all along the road. How are you doing? What's going on? Where'd you live? How many kids do you have? What? And sometimes God's like, get going, get going, get going. <laughs> I need you there. What are you doing? Oh, don't you love these people? I love these people. Get to the people I'm sending you to. Right? Sometimes that's the mission. We see in verses 5 and 6 that they were ambassadors of peace. And if the, household, if the householder was a person of peace, then their peace would rest with that man and their family. But if that person was not a person of peace, then that peace came back on to the person who went into the home and they were to leave the home. Now, I would say, Jesus, what an insult to the person you sent them to. But Jesus knew that he was training them to understand that, you, that there are some situations that you're not going to be effective in, and if they're not open, I need to take you out of that environment and put you where they are. Stop wasting my time and my resource and let me lead you where I need to lead you. Verse 7 really speaks to me as well. They were uh, to have no reservations about receiving their meals and they were not to engage in social entertainment. They were to bring blessings into the home that openly received their message. And when they were welcomed, they were encouraged in verse 8, to accept the hospitality, and they were being sent to Gentiles. Now, you have to understand that the way that the Gentiles ate, the practices were very different than the Jewish practices. And so there were no rituals of purification, right? And so the laws were different, and they ate differently. But Jesus was saying, You're, I'm sending you into that specific environment. It's a cross-cultural environment. The people are different. Their beliefs are different. They don't know me, but I'm sending. What did he do? I'm sending and getting you to prepare the way so that when I come, they're ready for me. We see in verse 9 something that really happens for them. He said, so in verse 8, Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you, verse 9, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And it's, so they were, given, they were given the authority to heal the sick and to bring deliverance. They were given authority through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to function in the gift of healing. And what would be required with that gift of healing is the gift of wisdom, the gift of discernment, the gift of knowledge, and revelation, so that they could actually minister to those people specifically. And so that's what he's telling them. You're going to be moving in a whole new realm of ministry that you've never moved in before. You're going to experience with people groups things, and this people group, they've never encountered the Holy Spirit like this. They don't understand the power of my name, and they don't understand where healing happens, why it happens, and I'm taking you into that environment, and I'm going to let you begin to function in new levels of faith. Can I tell you, Joy, God is looking for people who are saying, I'm ready to move in new levels of faith. I'm ready to accept the anointing you're going to give me today. I'm not going to fabricate it because I had it yesterday. I'm going to let you endow me with your Holy Spirit and with the power of the Spirit. I'm going to move through as you lead me, as you give me discernment, and I'm going to function and I'm going to pray and believe for the faith to lay hands on the sick. When Annie and I laid hands on that man on Friday, we were not responsible for the outcome. 
We were responsible to anoint him with oil because he was a sick man. And I told the wife, if you bring him, we'll lay hands on him. And we have the faith to believe God can touch him and deliver him. We'll leave that up to God. Does he have faith to believe? That guy had more faith than Annie and I had. He was pretty excited that we laid hands on him. So it's not always going to happen the way it always used to happen. I think we're in that day. And if we don't have that mindset, I think we're going to lose out on some great opportunities of mission and message. Today, the Holy Spirit still delights to confirm, not that you're wonderful, not that you're capable of healing. No, 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 no. He delights to confirm the presence that the kingdom is near. That's what this is about. The kingdom of God is near. The presence of God is here. The healing power of Jesus is in our midst. The Holy Spirit has chosen to show up and allow us to move in new ways. He's training them so that when he's put on the cross and he's resurrected, that these disciples would have the confidence and the faith to believe that even when that happened, this is capable of still happening. He's training them and equipping them so that when he's not present, they know he still is present. That's what he's getting them ready for. And we're called today as Joy Community Church to activate our faith and to ask God to authenticate his message with healing power. We are in desperate need of this. So many people who are suffering mental illnesses, alcoholism, drugs, they need deliverance. They have a spirit of poverty. They're living in poverty day after day. Spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical poverty. People need to be set free. People are suffering illnesses and diseases, some I've never heard of. It doesn't mean I'm not to pray for them. Amen? It means I need to activate the faith that he gave me, which is usually the size of, a mustard, size of a mustard seed anyway. But he said that if I had that and I prayed, something miraculous would happen. I'm encouraging you, this holiday season, ask God to anoint your hands. Actually, let's do this. Lift up our hands right now. And I'm going to ask God to anoint those hands. Because I believe that this is the hour for Joy Community Church to be effective. Heavenly Father, we lift up the faith. Oh, the faith in this room is amazing. And you're honored for this faith. These are people who love people. These are people who give to people. These are people who love to serve your people. And they're going into environments and family situations and uh, people who are struggling with life, whatever that might be. Let these hands be hands that lay on people and pray for people who are led by the Spirit of God to bring a release in people's lives. We pray for miracles this holiday season. We pray for the supernatural presence of God to follow us where we go this season. We pray that these hands, Lord God, would be anointed in such a way that people will declare with their own mouths and give testimony that I've been touched. I don't know what's just happened, but something's going on right now in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit. Who is this? What is this? And we'd be able to declare Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. Would you like to receive him? Would you like to receive what he has for you today? Lord, we know that you anoint hands, and so we lift them up in faith today that we're going to be used in a mighty way over this holiday season. Amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. Only he does that. Go with me to verses 10 to 12, please. I'm going to carefully lay this out. 
But whatever, whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust on your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Now, he's not saying pick up an attitude. You know, when people read that, they get in that, yeah, don't tell you. He's not saying to be like that. Nevertheless, know this. I like that. There's the change right there. Nevertheless, know this. Despite their behavior, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. The problem is, you won't let the kingdom of God come in you. When you're praying to be with your families this holiday season, pray for the Lord of the harvest. Pray that when you go, you're taking the kingdom of God with you. The kingdom dwells within you. Jesus is in you, so it... it that Jesus is near because you're with them and the kingdom of God dwells in you. But also pray that they will receive that the kingdom of God would be within them as well. Amen? Uh, it's very important to understand that truth. So Jesus encourages them despite the rejection they're gonna, they would confront. And, and we see they're going to do that and it says, but I say to you in verse 12, I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And he's not, he's not condoning what happened with Sodom, by the way. He's going to judge that. He's saying anybody who represents Christ and who's rejected and resisted, those will be judged who did that. See, we want to punish them because they didn't receive it from us. God's saying, leave that to me. Oh, oh you're going to have confrontation. You will be rejected. I can't tell you you're not going to be. You will be. Because that's just truth. Two different spirits meeting. There will be a collision in the spirit realm. It's what happens. But if you understand what's happening, you won't take it. You won't become the victim of that rejection. And that's really important. And so... Warren Wearsby says this, to hear, Christ, to hear Christ's ambassadors means to hear him. And to despise his representatives means to despise him. He puts it into perspective. And he's saying, what happens to us? I'm not sure just what happened to me, but something just happened with my sound. There you go. But what happens to us and I know because it's happened to me, is when you're, you're I mean, you're just geared up. You just sense God's moving, and, and you start sharing, and immediately the walls go up, the attitudes, and <clears throat> they start <clears throat> shaking their head, <clears throat> and they're telling you all their political jargon and their opinion, and you just want to, you just want to go, really? And sometimes you take it personally. And what the enemy wants is for us to take on an offense. And that's his ploy to shut down the mission and the message. I'll get it. Right? That's what he does. And so we have to, before we go, say, wait, in the name of Jesus. I put on the full armor of God right now. I put on the helmet of salvation. Courtney taught me this this summer with the kids. The, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the loins of truth, the gospel shoes, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let's go, mama. Let's go. Let's play some football. You want to play football? Let me talk you with the good news. Rejection comes in all forms. It really does, especially with families. It really does. The enemy knows that place. Listen to me, because I've gone through a journey of healing in these areas, so I can speak from them. What he does is he goes to those areas that used to be broken, used to be wounded, or the offense of that individual and they've not yet changed, right? They still deal with what they deal with. 
And he knows that place that God has healed, and he, he tries to test it and tempt it and see if you'll fall into it and take it personally. Because he knows that the message you have is powerful. And you're the link to that person's heart. So if he can start off and set the stage to distract your strategy and to re-strategize his strategy, and that's to nullify the gospel. Because once you pick up an attitude, they're shut down. They shut down, and they don't want to hear. But if you remain compassionate and unnerved and peaceful, what did he say? Peace. If they let you stay in their house, that means you can stay with peace. You have a responsibility. No, no, no. He's saying don't leave and go to another house. Don't go to another event. Stay because you have peace, and they need peace. So don't let the enemy use that strategy. And he designs it differently every year. Can I tell you? If it's not that the star was put on cricket and somebody forgot to hang up the wreath that they were given like a few years ago or this burnt or that burnt or somebody forgot a dish, he'll try anything to get you off kilter. You're on a mission. You have a message. And the kingdom of God is near. Guys. We must leave the results to God. We must ask him how he wants us to handle the resistance to the message. Sometimes I just go to the bathroom and I start praying in the spirit. And I take responsibility for my own attitude, which I can cough one very quickly. Do you want me to show you? No. <laughs> You're all like, no, we've seen it. <laughs> and I pray in the spirit. And then I say to the Lord, here's something Greta and I've learned to do. And I think Greta taught me this. I'm not sure. But to minister in the opposite spirit. So whatever that spirit is, you then deciding, okay, this, God, give me discernment here because this is not godly. This is not healthy. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe right now. What is the spirit you want me to minister in? And he'll show you to counteract it rather than confront it. And so we've learned to do that together. In my family, her family, and other situations, we minute, we. We sense what the Spirit's doing. We see the strategy of the enemy. And he's like, no, we're not giving in to that. Mm -mm. No, that ain't happening at all. Nope. And so we begin to minister in the opposite spirit. They were to wipe off the dust from their feet. And now that was an actual action that told the citizens that they had placed themselves outside of the kingdom of God. You have to understand it was an attitude issue. Jesus wanted something as a signal to them that they were not inviting the kingdom of God into their homes. That's what that was about. And that there would be judgment that came. You have to leave that to God. When there's resistance, that's not the time to start preaching. That's the time to compassionately woo hearts. The minute you start preaching and lecturing, and telling all your testimonies about what God, you're only aggravating their spirit. If God's not giving you, just like he said, if you're going into the house and they're not welcoming, then they're not welcoming. Now, if that's your family, then you're dealing with a different situation. And then you minister in the opposite spirit. And then your message has to be changed. It then becomes action, message, mission together. Because you need them to receive a touch of the love of Jesus Christ. You do not want to leave that family, wherever you're going this holiday season, without, and some of you are really great at just loving on people. That's not an issue for you. But for other people, that's harder. It's a little more difficult. And so you have to make the decision to choose to do that when the environment could get a little hostile. Right? And so I'm just <laughs> encouraging you.
Well, upon returning from their mission, they came with joy. I want to hear, after this holiday season, on January 1st, we're having Living Proof Sunday. And we're doing that on purpose. And I want to hear testimonies about how you actually became the mission and the message this holiday season. That's what we're going to be talking about on January 1st, is what God did in your life over the holiday season to help you share the mission and the message. Well, they came with joy. All 70 of them. That's amazing. And um, they, they, they were so excited, they started to share how the demons, actually demons submitted to the name of Jesus. They were thrilled, like, this is cool. And Jesus, and, and they put, and how people put their faith in Christ. And for this response, Christ offered a prayer right away to his heavenly father of thanksgiving. And we must pray that our heavenly father will deal with the spiritual blindness of our nation this holiday season, of our state, of our city, of our neighborhood, of our family, of our workplace, and our friends. Reaction to the king, re, and re, I mean, rejection to the king is spiritual blindness. We need to realize that. And a miracle can remove human blindness so that people can spiritually see what? that the kingdom of God is near. What's our mission? The kingdom of God is near. What's our mission? The kingdom of God is near. And who's a part of that mission? Who has the message of the mission? Who's bringing the kingdom? We are. Where is the kingdom? In our hearts. We're kingdom purpose and people. No more peas or I'll start stuttering. A miracle can remove human blindness so that people can spiritually see that the kingdom of God is near. I pray that this holiday season, for your loved ones, your friends, and your coworkers, that they will find faith in Jesus Christ. As Jesus declared, go to verse 23 of that same chapter, he said this. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. Isn't that beautiful? This is not a private mission. This is not you got something up on somebody else with a message. The goal is that everyone will see like we see that everyone will encounter that the kingdom of God is near. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I am so excited about heading into the holiday season. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have an inspiring vision for us about the mission and the message. We thank you for the instructions that you've given us this morning to handle those situations that can be confrontational, difficult, personality differences. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're helping us in spite of rejection that we're going to confront to still stay the course and announce that the kingdom of God is near. Wow. We pray for salvation to come to our families. We pray for salvation to come to our workplaces our neighbors, our friends. We pray, Father, for grace to be released in the days to come so that where you lead us, we will not back down. We will not be intimidated. We will be that. We'll be on a mission with the message and we'll minister with grace as never before. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.